Today on The Travel Guys. In the travel news, Canada might be about to define high-speed rail on a whole new level. And did you hear the one about the Southwest passenger who sent others pictures on the plane? X-rated pictures, I might add. In our Smarter Traveler segment at 320, we talk about air tags on uh, and, or other kinds of tracking devices. It's time to consider using them to keep an eye on your luggage on the road. What do you think? Gwen Duncan, our favorite cruise counselor, stops by to update us on all things cruises. Is it time to get back on the water? Gwen shares her wisdom at 335. And finally, at 350, we close out the show by asking if lower gas prices and higher airfares means road trips are back in vogue for the fall. Sacramento, bake at 110 degrees for 48 hours and then set aside to cool over the winter. Good Lord, it's hot outside. Don't blame us, though. We're just the travel guys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. To another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys, Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano with you here on uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, another hot Sunday. Hope you're doing well. Enjoying uh, perhaps a little holiday for some of you that are workers uh, tomorrow with a day off. So uh, I tell you, it's uh, <laughs> uh, you know I was thinking about taking the the bride out for a a picnic somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, celebrating, by the way, Mark, forty uh, sixth anniversary of the uh, wedding. Of wow. Tom and Stephanie. And they said she would never stay with you that long. <laughs> <laughs> you and who else? So come yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 46 anyway, years. We didn't, That's a we lot didn't of really years. Talk, yeah, we didn't. Thank you. We, we didn't really talk much about it uh, last week. Uh, but uh, Mark uh, just finished up his uh, second hip replacement. How'd it go, Mark? Uh, well, I have a new both sides of the butt now. We'll just we'll it will have to wait a while, I guess, to to see. I'm hobbling around a little bit, and uh, but I have a lot of good people who are taking care of me. Special shout out to the folks at Woodland Memorial Hospital, um, Dr. Meredith and their gang there, who and especially the two nice ladies in recovery. They got me out of the hospital in record time. My surgery was at eight o'clock in the morning, and at three o'clock in the afternoon, they oil wheeled me out the door. So that was really pretty cool. That was. Really nice, and uh, uh, so those folks were were really a, a huge, 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 uh, a huge plus. So thank you to um, them and all of the f- friends and all the folks who have sent good wishes and stuff like that. So things are going well. I don't know that I'm going back to uh, running hundred yard dashes, but um, maybe five yard dashes sometimes. Well, there you go. You're out. You're all out of hips to be replaced. So, so good. Good news there. <laughs> speaking you. speaking of good news, uh, what's your response to the? Uh, uh, the latest uh, thing uh, where the airlines are, you know, uh, kind of promising to take care of us if uh, we have these <sighs> three-hour delays and so on and so forth. It's been all over the news. And, well, uh, we talked about the fact that uh, the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, had kind of been sniffing around this stuff for a while. 
And so now the airlines have kind of sort of responded. This is my take on the whole thing. When they start doing something, I'll believe it. It's one thing to talk a good game. And Buttigieg has talked a better game than I can't think of any transportation secretaries. He seems to know what the problems are. He seems to know what the challenges are that consumers are facing. He's identified them. He's told the airlines they need to fix them. So let's the airlines need to fix them. You know, I mean, that's basically either that or he needs to come down on them in a way that helps them and their lobbying group, Airlines for America, know that, you know, we're serious about this. You can't keep making the seats smaller and the space smaller and screwing us every Mm -hmm. time we turn around and the plane doesn't run and uh, doesn't operate because you don't have enough staff. And did you know that ahead of time? And uh, airlines are a mess. So I, I hope the airlines, I hope that everybody is serious. I hope the airlines are serious about honoring their promises and not trying to to weasel out or figure out a way to, to get out of something. And I hope Buttigieg is, is serious that he will tell the airlines, you know, look, damn it, this is what we're going to do. And if you're not on board, then I'm coming after you. And we're not talking about five years from now. We're talking about Tuesday. So right. that's what I well, have to we'll, say about that. There you go. Okay. Well, it'll all come out in the wash one way or the other. Well, welcome to the program, my friends, and at the top very Travel Guys radio show, we take time out to bring you up to date on the travel news. And with it, here's Mark. This is a cool story. Um, Canada is looking at the possibility of a 1,000 kilo, kilometer per hour, so we're talking about about 600 miles an hour, in a vacuum tube train. Mm-hmm. They're talking about uh, Edmonton to Calgary to start with. I kind of sort of remember something like this in California a number of years ago. And now I think we're talking about what Merced to Fresno or something like that. But um, between Calgary and Edmonton, 300 kilometers apart, a three hour drive. So they could get that journey down to 45 minutes. If they could do that in an environmentally safe way. Wow, that would change. It'd be a game changer. If you could get from if you if you could get in forty five minutes on a train, you wouldn't need an airplane anymore. And all the time it takes to go through security and all that garbage, you'd you'd be all done with that. I mean that that if I were the airlines, I'd you know squash that as quickly as I could. <laughs> um, uh, airlines. So probably everybody has heard this story by now. Um, a Southwest passenger. They were sitting uh, on the plane getting ready to go to Cabo San Lucas. And uh, do you know what airdrop is, Tom? It's a thing that you I, I do. I do. I don't use it, but I'm familiar with it. Yes. yes. So you can use it on your phone to get people to send you things, you know, pictures right. and, and videos and things that you might need for work or for fun or whatever. So somebody, we're guessing perhaps a gentleman, started sending, well, maybe gentleman's not the right word, pictures of himself not clothed to other people on the aircraft. If you have, I'm not a technological guy, but if you have airdrop and it's on, then it allows people to be able to send it to you. This is what was explained to me. So anybody who had this on, um, apparently a couple people noticed that it had come in in their inbound stuff and started talking about it, called it attention to the flight attendant um, who went to the pilot. And the pilot got on and said, look, uh, this is not work- this is not working for us. And the pilot basically said, if you want to go to Cabo, um, this needs to stop. 
because yeah. otherwise we're going to get security. They're going to come on the plane. They're going to figure out who's doing this. You're all going to be late to start your vacation, and this is not going to be good. So either behave like good children or we're going, or dad's going to come up here. It was interesting that the, uh, the pilot uh, took it upon himself to basically address everybody on the plane and uh, treat them, here again, like kids, but they are adults. Yeah. Uh, and and told him to knock this crap off. And uh, I mean, he very easily could have done uh, something completely different and mm-hmm. uh, pulled the plane over, found out who it was, uh, had them pulled off the plane. But he took a real, you know, every man's kind of kind of approach to it and says, you know, sometimes people act stupid and somebody's acting very stupid. Would you like to go to Cabo or not? Here's a knock here's it a, off. Yeah, here's a thought. Maybe the pilot had a week in Cabo himself. And, you know, he needed to get down there. And so anyways, that's I, I, I just in the in the can you believe this department? Um, yeah, sort of. Uh, here is a note from one of the news feeds that says ticketing and booking on travel after the first of October has fallen 49 percent in the last six weeks. Now, it doesn't say what that compares it to or if that 49 percent was above pre you know previous years and now we're just down to it but travel booking is dropping dramatically all i can say is that sports leisure vacations travel booking is not dropping dramatically we had a banner week last week um selling our products out of our new catalog but apparently travel in general we've talked about this that demand might fall off after labor day and later on in the program we're going to talk a little bit about road trips and about whether or not some people may be considering those since airfares have continued to be high Remember, diesel fuel is what the airlines use. So mm-hmm. when diesel fuel is still a buck over regular gas, um, that means that airfares are not going to come down anytime really soon. But the question is here is, are Americans ready to, you know, maybe maybe take to the road in an automobile instead of an airplane? Did you hear the one about the guy who paddled 38 miles down the Missouri River in a hollowed-out pumpkin? Uh, no, I can't say I did. <laughs> I thought this was kind of kind of interesting. Dwayne Hansen left Bellevue, Nebraska at 7.30 a.m. on Tuesday. It arrived in Nebraska City about 6.30 p.m. 38 miles, pictures of him floating down the river in a hollowed-out pumpkin. Interesting to note, the previous record was 25.5 miles. In wow, a hollowed that out. must have been that must have been some big pumpkin. Yeah, can't, can't you just you're driving along the levee and you look out the window and you see this guy. You know your dry, wife's driving the car and now you're trying to convince her as the car goes around the curve away from the river that you just saw a guy floating down the river with an oar and a hollowed out pumpkin. Um, yeah, good luck with with all of that. Alaska Airlines. This is kind of an interesting story. Um, if you fly up to the Arctic in the summertime to Barrows, Alaska, which is above the Arctic Circle, you might uh, find out that summer is the hardest time to fly in and out of Barrow. And -hmm. frequently flights are delayed or canceled for days. Local people know this, and so they don't try to take a one-day trip, you know, down to Anchorage. They, They go down and if you're coming up to Barrow, you don't come up there with two days of medication or one change of clothing. You come with lots of changes of clothing. It's 350 miles north of the Arctic Circle. On occasion, the one Alaska Airlines plane that serves 
that airport every day. It's a 737, so it's a good-sized plane. Doesn't get there. On occasion, it doesn't get there for several days in a row. So a tourist who thought that they were being kind of wise, I guess, um, we'll just call him Jim, um, writes in and says uh, to one of the the, uh, services up there, air services in Alaska, said, this is really ridiculous. We've been here for three days. We can't get out. I only brought two changes of clothing. My wife is out of medicine. What kind of operation are you guys running here? And he posted it online, and now there are hundreds, literally, of comments from local people in Alaska, either in Barrow or in other cities, saying, you are an ignorant fool. Um, Why in the world would you try to take a sightseeing tour to one of the bleakest places on Earth where the weather in the summer is very famous for its fog, and it's it's frequent that people can't get out in and out of Barrow for several days in a row. So why would you, if you had a cruise or some other vacation in Alaska, why would you think you were being a wise guy and tack on an overnight to Barrow? The moral to this story is if you're going to a popular tourism destination and you say, wow, we could kill two birds with one stone by going to this other place that's nearby, do your homework. Because some of those places that are nearby might look like a really good idea on the screen, but in reality, they're perhaps not. You might also, this is a really novel idea for anybody under 40, you might want to consider the possibility of talking to someone on the ground there who can perhaps tell you that, gosh, in the summertime, planes don't always get in and out of here. There aren't a lot of hotels. Frequently, people end up on the high school gym floor. This is not uncommon because we only have the one hotel in town, and you didn't make reservations because you thought you were going back later in the day. So if you are doing one of those things, you're going to an exotic destination and you're thinking, gee, maybe it's a cruise ship. And you're just thinking, you know, we've got six hours here. I'm going to go into town for a couple hours and then come back. And then you can't get a taxi cab and the the ship sells without you. And now you've lost two ports of call. You've got no clothing and you've got to be able to catch up to the ship. So a word of wise, if you're going to get creative when you're on vacation, get creative in advance and do your homework. Not like the guy who went to Barrow, Alaska. And that's your travel right. news for today. <laughs> All right. We are the travel guys, Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Our website is travelguysradio.com. Links to a, a lot of the news stories and so much more can be found there. Travelguysradio.com. All right. Air tags. Not not uh, not not send the air photos, but air no. tags. Air tags. We're going to talk about air tags to track your to track your luggage and stuff. Are they popular? Should you be using them? All of that coming up next, right here on the Travel Guys. Ooh, Graceland, Graceland. Graceland. Oh, you know, I saw that Elvis movie. Uh, Last night, it's now available on HBO. I was, was watching some of that. I watched a little bit of that last night. You're right. It, I, I'm not an Elvis fan on any level. It, that was really good. It's it's a completely different take. If people just think it's going to be a, a movie about Elvis and uh, you know all of his success and so forth, it's 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 really not. It's uh it's as much about uh, Tom Parker or uh, his uh, yeah colonel tom as it was anything else anyway we got so much to do let's move on let's to do. graceland and uh <laughs> all right uh you know i've often heard about them i've never seen one up close uh you know but people use them and i think you mentioned something about it air tags and a tracking device for 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 luggage uh while stuff on the road 
we've talked about this before on the program, and uh, I even have a story. I've related it once or twice over the years about uh, an uh, iPad that got left on a United plane in Chicago, was taken off by a maintenance worker to their home, and I was able to recover it because it had an, a tag in it, a tile that, that activated, and I was able to tell where it is. So what we're talking about here is, you know, a tile, an air tag. There are these come in a lot of different versions. Some devices have them already installed in them. All you have to do is activate them. So now, um, yesterday, staff member and I decided that this would be a great, great. I ran across an article and I said, all right, it's time for me to buy these and let's do a little air tag story here for the for the program. So uh, I went down to Walmart for eighty bucks, got four of them, and activated one of them. Stuck it in my suitcase. I'm staying at the Residence Inn on uh, at Zinfandel in Rancho Cordova. By the way, thanks to those people who I'm recovering there, and they are just super nice people. Um, and so today, I leave the hotel. It's the first time I've left the hotel since we bought the tags yesterday. Today, I leave the hotel. I get about, oh, 200 feet out the driveway. My phone beeps, and it says, your air-tagged bag is no longer with you. It is at this address. And you're not there anymore. Um, so which I thought was a, a great way of showing that the thing actually works. Um, the, the thing about AirTags is, for folks, if you're thinking about this, it will tell you where your bag is, but it won't get your bag back to you. So, I mean, just because you know where it is doesn't mean that somebody right. nefarious hasn't picked it up. Let's pretend you're at baggage claim. And the bags come up, and you don't see yours, and you go in and you file a claim, and, you know, my bag never got here. Well, it did get there. It just somebody else took it with them. So now will that person give it back to you? Will they take it someplace where you can get it? Do they leave and go 200 miles out of town? You know, you can see where this is going here. This doesn't always automatically mean that your bag reappears. Now, you're saying that uh, the AirTag, it's in the bag. Um, you'll be able to track where the bag has gone if somebody's picked it up and uh, you know and they're they're driving to uh, you know up north uh, you're, yep. you're going to be able to track it that bag they will continue to tack as long as the device is active you're going to see where it's going and where it ends up but again um, if your bag ends up at somebody's house are you going to go to their house and knock on the door and say hey dude you got my bag um, well, you know, here again, I've, I've been down this road with uh, phones. Mm-hmm. They will have their own built-in tagging Absolutely. capability. You know, if you lose your phone and you track it to some location 60 miles away, going there and asking for your phone is way different than if you know your phone was stolen. Yes. I mean, if you dropped it in the park, you were at an event, an outdoor concert, and you dropped it on the grass, you know... Tracking it to somebody's house and picking it up is a lot safer than if uh, you know it was stolen by somebody who is a bad person. So, so here, same thing with your bag. If somebody took the bag uh, inadvertently, uh, then then I would feel a lot more safer about going and seeing if I could get it back. Hopefully the person, uh, this is another good reason to put more than an air tag in it, some information in it, a phone number anyway, so that the person who inadvertently took your bag can call you and get and get your uh, bag back to you. And there you have it right from Tom. The other half of this Smarter Traveler segment is put some kind of identification inside your bag, something that gives a telephone number where you can be reached or an address, whatever you're comfortable with putting inside your suitcase. 
Also, a couple of other thoughts here. Suzanne Morrow, who is the senior vice president for Insure My Trip, when she was asked about AirTags, she recommended take photos of your luggage, including what's inside. This is not every single thing, but before you close the bag up, take a picture of what's there and take a picture of the outside of the bag in case someone makes off with it. Maybe there's a, a identifying scuff or you have certain tags. You know, we've all got things that have gotten on our bags over time. Also, another thought. Um, you're getting on the airplane, and you've got an air tag in your carry-on bag, and the airline says, you know what, we need people to check bags here. You're okay with checking your bag because you've got a tag in it, and you're going to know exactly where it goes. It's probably going in the belly of the airplane, and it'll come up just like it's supposed to at the next destination. But what if it doesn't? What if you put your carry-on bag in the overhead, and you go back nine rows, and someone else takes it out and gets off the airplane? Then you get up there and it's not there. Now you've got this tracker. You're still on site at the airport. The chances of getting that bag back goes up, I think, pretty dramatically. So I have bought four of them, and I'm going to start using them in briefcase, carry-on, all kinds of stuff. And this will be a continuing story. All right. By the way, do you put the air tag in a place where it can't be seen, is it, or should you put it someplace where it's conspicuous? We were talking about that yesterday, um, Tyler and I were, and decided that we would put it someplace where it wasn't conspicuous, because if someone found it, they would likely disable it if they if they knew what it was. So we just stuck, there was a place in this particular suitcase where you could put it where I don't think anybody would see it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> I would be inclined to do that, do this, do the same thing. All righty. That's uh, fascinating. I might have to pick me up some of those and uh, try them on my next trip. Of course, it's just one more thing to distract me the whole time as I'm looking at my air tag and it's traveling with me and the plane and all of that. Okay. How's the, what's going on in the cruise world? Let's bring our expert, Gwen Duncan. She's our favorite uh, cruise counselor. She joins us coming up here uh, after the news right here on The Travel Guys. Stick around. Thanks for joining us. We are The Travel Guys. Barcelona, I still long to hold her once more. It's Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, The Travel and Entertainment Guys, as always, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Uh, and uh, you can find us at TravelGuysRadio.com. You know, I guess one way to escape uh, the Big Valley heat is to uh, hop on a cruise. What do you think? Ah, uh, maybe for you. Um, <laughs> well, you, everybody knows I'm a, 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 even Gwen knows, don't you, Gwen, that Mark is not a huge cruise ship fan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, so I'm the guy who gets on the 60 or 80 or 100. You can get me on the Mississippi River on, you know, one of the replica steamships or any of that Small kind of boats. stuff. Yeah, I'm just not Small a, I'm ships. just not a big guy, but. I acknowledge that there's value in that method of travel, and there are a lot of people who really enjoy traveling that way. In fact, uh, Tom and Gwen, um, last week when the Sports Leisure Vacations catalog came out, we had uh, a trip on the Rhine River next year and a trip, uh, providing there's some water in it, and um, a Scandinavian cruise and a uh, river cruise here in this country, and all of them just got incredibly overwhelming response from our people so i know that uh, folks who enjoy cruising are still out there and of course big ships small ships you know it just kind of depends on uh, don't you think gwen that cruising is kind of what you want 
Yeah, uh, actually, um, cruising, it offers so much that, and I'm getting more and more and more people who are wanting to go on cruises or to return to cruising because they didn't for the last three years, you know? I should formally introduce our guest here, who is Gwen Duncan from Cordially Yours Travel. (laughs) And, um, yes, who joins us here on the Travel Guys from time to time. And her specialty is cruises. And so I I really, from time to time, throughout this whole COVID thing, uh, Gwen, you've been a really good gauge as to, you know, where the needle is with cruising and stuff like that. Um, Obviously, there have been people throughout this whole thing who can't wait to get back on board a ship. I mean, literally, they all you had to do was tell them you can go, and off they go. Are we still seeing, is there still a group of people like that? Oh, absolutely. Um, you asked me to come up with two reasons that people might be wanting to go back on cruises. And I'll tell you, the first one, I've mentioned this before in your show, it's called COVID fatigue. People just, they, they've waited long enough, and they're ready to go somewhere. And the idea of going on a cruise where someone's doing the cooking, the cleaning, the house cleaning, uh, entertainment's free, uh, you meet new people, and even babysitting is included, then uh, it, it, it's a, a welcome escape for families and, and individuals. But the other one is that the protocols have gotten better. So the people are... Uh, people who want to cruise are feeling more comfortable because the sanitation requirements on the ship are so strict that uh, um, they go beyond. And um, they create an environment that's less fear and stress. And um, and that sanitation is in all aspects of their cruise, whether it's the embarkation, where they've reduced crowd sizes for embarking and you have special check-in times, or food service protocols and food, food uh, service protocols and all kinds of other reasons where they're keeping people restricted from being in tight quarters, large groups. And uh, there's no more, you know, self-serving your food. You get um, served. But it's very safe. Um, and it's much more safe than it used to be. Gwen Duncan, cordially yours, travel, our cruise expert. Uh, Gwen, uh, now that things are starting to loosen up, uh, and people are getting back onto cruises. Uh, what is the the basic take with all the cruise lines in regards to uh, the the COVID situation? Are we still having to show our vaccination cards, uh, wear masks? Uh, what's the status with the majority of the cruise lines? Actually, um, I'm, that's a, a great question because a lot of people have been misinformed or don't stay up on top of things. Uh, Mark, I've sent you a link you can put it on your website, and it's a list of all these different uh, uh, cruise lines that, as of September, have changed their protocols. And uh, many of them are not requiring vaccinated people. It's got its pros and cons. I've had people who are thrilled because they aren't vaccinated for whatever reason. Maybe they're pregnant or whatever. Uh, A lot of people have chosen not to be vaccinated. So now those people can now go cruising. But uh, the problem is, uh, even though that's added a whole another sector of people who want to go, there are people who have if they know that there are unvaccinated people on, they've been canceling their their trips. Fortunately, there are many more people going than those canceling. Okay, but, so let's uh, let let me let yeah. me ju- let me jump in here. So we talked about re- about people who can't wait to get on board the ship, and and I 
I'm going to take your word for it on the precautions and stuff like that because that makes sense that the cruise lines, uh, you know, having created all these protocols, that it makes sense to continue with at least some of them. Although here on land, we, we you know, we're seeing hotels and stuff who are the, the sanitizing liquid machines are all empty because they don't care anymore. You told me people who are are can't wait to get on a ship. So for people who are not ready to go yet. Um, what is, I mean, is it other than just the COVID thing? What are the, why are some people still shying away? Because you said some people are still canceling. Yes. Um, there, there are two ones that jump out at me. One of them is COVID related. There are some people who just are not ready to be in unfamiliar public places with lots of people mm-hmm. other than family and friends. So they, and they figured that's going to help re- not just COVID, but whatever. Uh, the second reason, and uh, this is kind of troubling, is the people who have traveled before cruise and cruising have chosen not to go now, at least for a while, is because of what a hassle that they went through with, um, uh, you know, people, uh, I mean, and, and getting uh, difficulty getting their refunds and, and rescheduling and refunds, but also the protocols for some of their destinations. When they go on to shore excursions, you know, when they go to the ports, some of those countries are stricter than others. And you have to be really on top of this. It seems a hassle uh, for some people to have to worry about that. So, you if you're, and so you're going on a ship with that has a week-long itinerary, and it has four yeah. or five different ports of call, oftentimes in more than one country. So yep. you need to know what the and, – and as we have seen, although most of this has been a rollback direction here recently, we know from our COVID experience that that could turn around and go the other way. Right? That makes a lot of sense to me, that people yeah. just don't want to put themselves – no matter where they fall on the whole vaccination thing, it's like, I'll just wait till this settles down a little bit more. And yeah. and then go. I, I don't know if that's going to be a strategy that's that's going to work for them. Well, let me ask you, Gwen, people who are coming back from these cruises, you you're, you sell a lot of cruises. You must be getting feedback from customers who are coming back. What are they telling you? Well, um, uh, many of them are are saying that they uh, they enjoyed the experience. And it's a good thing. The people who. Uh, and I've got several agents who have sent people um, on groups, and when they've come back, um, mostly everything is favorable. But generally, there are a few people who may be making, uh, having higher expectations maybe for the culinary experience. That's pretty popular. And that uh, that's an important consideration for your client or for the person. They should be a little bit more picky on which ship they go. You don't just buy the, the cruise because it's you buy it if it's going to match your expectations. And some people, uh, the whole reason they're going is the culinary experience. Isn't that odd? But, and, and then some people are really disappointed because maybe they go on and there's way too many kids. Well, it, either you've got to be qualified as an agent, we have to qualify them more, or if you're buying direct, uh, don't buy just because it's a cheap cruise. Wow, Tom, it sounds like um, what Gwen is out what Gwen just did there, whether she did it intentionally or not, is the reason, especially if you haven't done this before. Um, and especially if you're going to if you're looking for just a bottom line cruise, it's, you know, the cheapest you can get. That's one thing. But if you're going to spend a lot of money to go on one of these upscale scale ships that has, 
you know, a renowned culinary program or something like that, why then, yeah, you want to – it kind of harkens me back to what we said about the F word, you know, for a long time here about – Right, if, if yep. you're going, It sounds like if you're going to go cruising that you better be just the slightest bit flexible – and Absolutely. What, whatever it says in the in the brochure might not be exactly what happens on board the ship, and you might want to be might want to cut people a little slack over that. Right. Yeah. I, I would imagine, uh, and Gwen can uh, address this, that uh, a lot of the shore excursions, just like anywhere, uh, you're going to go to restaurants that are either closed on occasion it might have been one of your favorite ones a port of call you've been on that cruise before uh or certainly if it's open uh everybody's still short-handed from what i can tell uh that uh, oh, the yeah. service isn't going to be what it would normally be uh are people coming back with those kind of stories Quinn? well uh, uh, the the stuff early on because i mean we've had people sailing you know most of this year um at the beginning it was the service levels whether it's on your ship or at your um, because the uh, hiring of people and having enough service, you know, service. But things have gotten a lot better, and I haven't been hearing recently a lot of complaints about the services on board. Some, but not very much, and that's a good thing. That's yeah, good it is. Thing. Well, you know, cruising is is all about the service. I mean, yeah, that's what good it's point. about. Uh, I don't know what the number is, but the number of. Uh, people on board that are there to wait on you and get you stuff and so forth is is a high number compared to the number of people that are uh that are when is it when is it still considered when you're looking for ratios um cruise ship cruise line uh employees to, to passengers are you still kind of looking for something that's as close to one-to-one or two-to-one or is there a guideline well, for that, that that would that would be the luxury brand Okay. You know, the, the one-to-one. But um, you can go online. CLIA, Cruise Line Industry Association, for the public, you can go on there. It'll tell you what the cruise ratio is. Okay. I got one more question for you here um, before we let you go. You've done this for a long time. Certainly none of us have ever been through anything like like COVID before. You, I'm yeah. sure every day you talk to people about the exact same things that we have just gone over in the last 10 minutes here. Um, how comfortable are you? selling cruises to folks at this point i mean where do you fall on this this scale of let me on the boat or i'm never going again i mean where are you on that scale this is interesting you asked me that about three months ago and i said i wouldn't go you know i mean that's what i said it honestly yep but now i would in fact i'm scheduled for one in february and um and i'm looking to do more uh, right away because uh, there are, you know, it's odd, Mark, with all of the cruise lines out there and with COVID being such a, an economic um, uh, encumbrance for them, what has happened is they've added more ships. They've, uh, there are a couple of new companies that have started. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I need to get out there to see those. And to do the, some of the experiencing on some of those things that I prefer. <laughs> I hear you as a tour operator. As a tour operator, I've got this list of places that I either want to go to or need to go to because they have become part of itineraries. And I, there's something I, you know, I need to be in the hotel. I need to check out a restaurant. I need to. Yeah, I'm like you. I hate to send my people to places that I don't have some level of firsthand information on. Gwen, this has been an excellent time together. We've been talking with Gwen Duncan of Cordially Yours Travel. There is a link um, to her website at TravelGuysRadio.com, or you can just give Gwen a call. She has been – Gwen, how long have you been doing cruises? 
Well, I've been in the business since 1989. Wow, wow. So 33... Oh, I'm old. I'm old. In fact... (laughs) Tom's Tom celebrating his 45th anniversary, uh-huh. and uh, this next year I'll be celebrating my 58th. Uh-huh. Wow, congratulations, So Gwen. she's got... I don't think you're going to catch up there, Romano. I think she's got to lead on you. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think Gwen, so. thank you so much for your time. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for your time, especially on a Sunday afternoon. Um, not everybody wants to be live with the travel guys, but of course, um, I look out my window and even the squirrels' tongues are hanging out. So anyway, <laughs> thank you, my friend. Good luck with selling. I know September is a big month for cruises, and I wish you the best. Finally, coming up at 3.50 here in just a few minutes, uh, we're going to be asking, is lower gas prices and higher airfares mean road trips are back in vogue for the fall? We'll talk about it right here on The Travel Guys. Country roads, take me home to the place. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano with you. Brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. John Denver's Country Roads song leading us back into the show is uh, somewhat appropriate, seeing that we're going to be talking about, about road trips. Gas prices are coming down. I don't know. You know, gas prices are coming down, but they're still a lot higher than they used to be. Mm -hmm. And I don't have one of those hybrids or electric cars yet. I can tell you that's definitely going to be a part of my future. uh, I have the Flintstones model, you know, where they have the dinosaur in the front and the, yeah. (laughs) Right, and the cutout in the bottom where you you just uh, use your legs to make you go. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Well, and gas prices, let's face it, um, after peaking around here locally at something in the low sixes i would say are now you know i buy my gas at uh, uh an arco that's off of the main drag out in rancher cordova and pay about uh, i think i'm paying about 460 something for gas now so it's come down 25 percent. that's a lot you know yeah it, it is but it, here again we you know because uh it was ridiculously high for a while uh any change under six dollars became exciting and then yeah fact that it's under five in a lot of places is uh it oh my gosh it's just incredible well so but, does does that make it more likely that people are going to hit the road instead of hitting the skies over the next couple of months let's pretend you kind of had something on your bucket list and you're like you know maybe it's a close by destination maybe it's something like a portland or uh, something right, that right. You, where you could have an option or let me ask you have you ever we ever a road trip guy? Have you do you have a road trip that stands out? Something you did by car? That- you know, uh, of course, and I think a lot of Valley folk uh, that uh, will relate to this. That uh, I mean, for the longest time, if you had kids, uh, you had to, and you were a Disney fan. Road trip to uh, it doesn't seem like a very far one, four hundred miles. A trip mm-hmm. to Disneyland by car was uh, was what you did. Uh, it was an adventure. You found ways to entertain yourself, uh, found little spots along the way, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's the Harris Ranch uh, on off of I-5 or uh, what's the place with the windmill uh, that serves a Anderson split pea soup mm-hmm. off of I-5. And, I mean, they became little destinations and things to stop uh, trip road trips to San Antonio. Lots to see along along the way there, you know, especially if you choose to take, you can take part of the old highway, you can take part of the old Route 66 
to get there. So there's lots of stuff to do there. Generally speaking, though, I did road trips because of the trip itself. Things to do mm-hmm. uh, along the way. The person uh, in the nowadays, car with you? Huh? The person in the car with you? That, too. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and and the thing is, is that nowadays... It's all about the destination. You want to get there right away. You want to spend as much time at wherever it is that you're heading. And you want to cut out those hours, in some cases, days uh, to get there. Okay. So we've now we, we've seen a real swing uh, in the last few weeks of the number of people who are willing to who are looking forward now to taking their next trip by car. Um, and, of course, the, the country has some amazing Road trips. There's like the Blue Ridge Parkway in North Carolina. You've got, if you like, off the beaten track, Highway 50 across Nevada, the loneliest road in America, which certainly comes, which certainly fits that description. Um, Chris Elliott is incredibly fond of the Red Rock Scenic Byway in Arizona. It's only eight miles, um, but the scenery is amazing. There are some highways in Utah near the national parks that are absolutely phenomenal. I'm a huge fan of Route 66, probably the ultimate road trip. In the country at, at over 2,000 miles, I see this as being uh, an opportunity. I think that more people, yes, are going to look at road trips now. But also, my wisdom to you is that if you think you're the only person who has made this switch, the statistics say that you're not. So mm-hmm. a lot of other people are thinking the same way as you are now if you're thinking of making a switch. So eliminate the places that seem the most obvious and because but those are the but those are the ones that are the most funnest well but you you still you got to wait another year for those so what you've got to yeah. do is think of the ones that are the second the, the, the secondary or the tertiary ones they might not be your favorite choices but they are the choices where you are likely to find a space in the parking lot to go hiking at 8:45 in the morning there you go road trips to Oregon you know yeah. Uh, the uh, Pacific Northwest is, you know, there's or for example, of- the fall fall colors in the mountains here um, in the Sierra are unbelievable. It varies a little bit from year to year, but between the last week of September and the third week of October, uh, you drive up into the mountains, and at some place along the way, you are going to hit some amazing uh, fall colors, especially aspens and like. And there are not going to be very many people up there before the first snowfall. So there are lots of places. And I suggest that if you are somebody who are looking at, at all of this, that you consider the possibility of, yeah, a road trip. Um, get out of the sky and leave the, the, the hefty airfare at home and use that money to have a couple of nice dinners along the way. Uh, I'm with you there. And, you know, back in the years past, uh, being stuck in an automobile for a long road trip could be pretty Pretty grueling because oftentimes there was no good air conditioning and uh, I five space and the comfort of the cars were not all that great. But nowadays, with the more modern autos and so forth, it's a it's like traveling in your living room almost. All right, we're wrapping it up here. It's another Travel Guys Radio show in the books. Don't forget, go to travelguysradio.com. You can find downloads to all of our past programs uh, available for you there. And you can sign up for the podcast. We will see you next week at 3 o'clock. Stay cool and remember to dance like nobody's watching. Stay well, my friends. Bye for now. He never has the time to turn around.